Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here tonight. Glad to have you with us there on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Be sure to heart to like to share, uh, retweet the post on Twitter there. It uh, just helps to get the word out there to others that are in your circle of friends. Uh, also, it's just a unique way you can invite people, even at the last moment, uh, to be a part of the services tonight. Uh, be sure to let us know you're there, uh, that you're watching. So uh, that just encourages others also. So you can comment there in the comments, uh, especially on Facebook. want to remind you that's where we'll be taking any prayer requests that you want to share with us tonight will be following there on Facebook, so be sure uh, to comment there. Uh, subscribe there on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, uh, that way every time we go live you'll always get that notification uh, that we're live. If you would go to our church website too at highlandbaptistchurch.com, it's under the info tab there, you can download this week's worship bulletin if you need those in person there in the windowsills, if you didn't get one Sunday or weren't able to be here. Uh, we also have our children's worship bulletins there in this windowsill to my right, but that's also under that info tab that you can download or share that link with anybody that you want to as well as you can download tonight's prayer list so I'd encourage you to go ahead and do that if you're at home uh, under High Highland Baptist Church under the info tab there get that downloaded so you can be able to follow along with us uh, update us on any reports that you may have on any individuals maybe you've requested uh, to be on the prayer list too and that'll just help us to to make sure we're making good use of our prayer list here there may be some of these that we've already seen the, or you've already heard of the answer to those prayers but we haven't heard that yet here, so they're still on our prayer list. So we want to uplift them uh, in, in our time of prayer tonight. Uh, so be sure to do that and leave those comments. And then also while you're on the church website, uh, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Real simple platform there to do your online giving, one-time gift, recurring gift. You can designate there to several different things. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. Offering envelopes are in the pew in front of you if you need those to do those in person. So Brother Mike. To hymn number six. This is one probably a little less familiar to us, but uh, we're going to sing it and, and praise the Lord doing it. Immortal, invisible, God only wise. And we'll do the first, second, and fourth verses. Immortal and Unhasting and silent as light, nor wanting nor wasting, blessed in might. I just as like mountains, I soar me above thy clouds, which are fountains of goodness and love. Great Father.
All right, so be sure, as we said there, to comment on Facebook if you're at home. That'll let us know any prayer requests you have there uh, that we can uh, get those mentioned uh, tonight. I do have several uh, that I do want uh, to mention to you uh, tonight. By uh, the, They're all on the prayer list that I know of. Uh, but we want to remember, let me move this out of the way here, so we'll change something. Uh, we still want to remember all those on our Highland Baptist Church family uh, side. Uh, you can, and we didn't get this one removed, but you can remove Steve Connor uh, from our prayer list there uh, on that side. He's doing uh, much better. Uh, Diane Tatum is doing much better also. She still has some pain a little bit, but nothing comparative to what she was having uh, and still regaining her strength. So just wanted to give you the update again on her. Uh, any more updates on you, Brother Jack? Still, still waiting until your visit with the surgeon. <laughs> okay, uh, do want to remember David Hess with his treatments. Continue to uplift him in your prayers. Miss Bertie Davis, uh, also with her fall. Uh, remember Cindy Jordan uh, and her cracked ribs. That's going to take, or her broke ribs. That's going to take several uh, weeks and probably a couple of months, two or three months, for that to even get close to healing. So want to remember her, um, and then. Uh, remember Donna Adcock as she has breast cancer and Conrad Ritchie uh, with eye surgery that he has coming up. Wanda Nichols is at home uh, with hospice. I talked to Todd yesterday and things have not changed uh, there. Uh, his aunt is there helping him, so uh, he has some help uh, with that. Uh, they did do one last um, um, dialysis on Friday before they brought her home. Uh, but uh, she has responded just a little here and there. I don't know if it's just like a squeeze or a blink or things like that, but uh, just keep him and his family uh, in your prayers as she's there at home with hospice. Janet Carter has been released from rehab and is back at home, uh, and she's uh, recovering at home and doing therapy at home, and so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, Wade, Sir, Wade Hall, we had a call out this morning for him for his surgery uh, that we were told about late last night that uh, he had hernia surgery uh, today. Everything went good with the surgery. He's back home uh, and recovering well, so we praise the Lord uh, for that also. And then over on the friends and family side, uh, I'll, the update we received yesterday on David Wall is that there's potential he may go home from rehab tomorrow. So we're praising the Lord for that, that he's improving. If he doesn't get to go home tomorrow, probably Friday for sure, uh, but they're hoping that he may be able to go home on Thursday. So uh, also, uh, Steve Maybe is on our prayer list there. Uh, he uh, had one more scan they wanna do on him, but the last scan they did showed there's no tumor uh, they thought it had spread throughout the body, but they could find no signs uh, of it. So we just praise the Lord for that. If things go well there with this upcoming scan, uh, then, then he will be good to go. So we praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, Dennis McCulloch, who is Samantha's brother-in-law, he does have a surgery coming up, uh, but I've, she's not been able to get a hold of her sister lately uh, to find out exactly when that's going to be. It, I believe it was supposed to be sometime later this week or the first of next week. Um, there was, I was trying to think if there was one, no, we didn't put that on the list. Uh, remember the Motlow BCM, they are still dealing 
with the water damage there. In fact, their college group has been meeting here at our church over at the ministry center on Tuesday nights doing Bible study. And so we praise the Lord for that, that we can offer that opportunity for them. But uh, the insurance has given them a really hard time in getting all the repairs done and wanting to make sure everything is just so and, and does this need to be done or not need to be done. And that's kind of what got them in some of the problems that things didn't get done the last time. And so just keep them in your prayers that everything will go well uh, there. And then as you go further down, uh, Carrie Williams, uh, you can remove her from your prayer list. She's doing uh, well. And then uh, we were asked to add uh, John uh, and Frida Anderson. This is Miss Imogene's uh, doctor. This is Dr. John Anderson, uh, your doctor too, okay. Uh, he is, uh, his, actually it's not him, it's his dad uh, and mom. Uh, his dad has Parkinson's and his mom uh, is having some dementia, I mean, uh, not uh, cancer in the brain. And so uh, remember her in your prayers, Miss Imogene had stopped by to ask us to add them to the prayer list, uh, both of them going through that. And so uh, I believe John is uh, in a facility, I believe that's right. And then his mom is Frida. Uh, is coming home uh, to stay with them. Uh, and so just pray for them through that. And then I've added my, we've, I've mentioned verbally, but not added into the list, my brother, Kevin. Uh, this is not the one that's in South Florida, that's a pastor. Uh, this is the one that lives closer to my mom uh, there in North Florida. Uh, he has had some issues and we've been asking prayer for him uh, with, uh, he has a, a, a degenerative arthritis. It's like an osteoarthritis. Uh, that he has all over. Uh, he has uh, bumps on each side of his wrist. Uh, he also has some back pain, so they gave him a couple of infusions the other day. One of those was excruciatingly painful, enough to cause you to cry. And so uh, just remember him in prayer. He also uh, has a dislocated shoulder that he's going to have to have something done with uh, also. And then they just diagnosed him this past week. VA uh, sent him to a separate specialist. Uh, to get scanned and now he has to go back to the VA after those results but they found that he has a mild case of emphysema so keep him in your prayers uh, through all he's uh, going through that's Kevin Norman on the prayer list there any others that we need to add or any other updates I'm looking on Facebook and I don't see any there anybody here Okay, so remember Ken Adcock also along with Donna. Uh, she had her treatment, but just remember him also. Anybody else? All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer then and uh, uplift these in our hearts. There may be unspoken needs that you have also. Uh, and if you are there online watching us and you want to leave those comments, leave that. And we'll try to get that at the end of the service. If not, we will definitely add those uh, to the prayer list for next week. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are and for all that you have done in our lives. Thank you for the great love that you have loved us with and that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Uh, Lord, that we could uh, ask Christ into our hearts, that we could receive that free gift of salvation. 
to live with you for eternity in heaven. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you will speak to us uh, in a powerful way and you will hear our pleas before you also. And we know that for that to happen, we cannot hold on to sin in our hearts. So, Lord, if there is anything that is in our hearts uh, that is sinful, Lord, I pray that you would remove it. Father, I pray that uh, we would none stand in the way of anything you're wanting to do, that if, you, if we are, Lord, then I pray that you'll remove us out of that situation, out of, the, out of the way of what you're trying to do in other people's lives or through the church or through our own lives. And so, Father, we just humbly submit ourselves to you, asking for your will to be done in our lives no matter what. So, Father, I just give myself even to you as, as pastor here at this church and ask, Lord, that you will just uh, fill me with your spirit and use me, Lord. And if there's anything within my heart, any uh, way that I may be standing in the path of things that you may do, Lord, I pray that you will uh, just do whatever needs to be done. Uh, Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Uh, Lord, we know we don't deserve anything that you have given to us. And so we come tonight humbly asking, Lord, for your mercy. We ask for your grace. We ask for the cleansing of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that you would wash us white as snow. And Father, I pray that you'll renew us in our faith with you each and every day, uh, because Lord, we know there are things that happen throughout every day, uh, whether it's a thought, whether it's an action, whether it's an omission. Uh, something we don't do that we should have done. And we just ask God that any of those things you would forgive us of, that we would confess it before you. May the light of your truth shine in our hearts. Lord, that there would be nothing hidden. Father, I pray that uh, as you do that, may you truly uh, begin to bring each and every one of us, whether we're lost or saved, to the place of repentance in our hearts. Uh, Lord, especially for those who don't know Christ, that they would come to the place of repentance to salvation and that those of us who are saved will come to the place of repentance to service and to more faithful service uh, in your kingdom work. And, and Father, to do that, we know we must be pure and holy before you, not saying one thing and doing another. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, set us on the path of righteousness, lead us, guide us, and let your word be that lamp to our feet and, and light unto our path. Father, we pray tonight that you will be with us as we uh, uplift each one of these prayer requests. We've read through some of the names. Uh, Lord, you know each and every person that's on this list. You know their particular situation, and, and you know the divine touch that they need in, your li in their lives. And so we just ask God for you to divinely intervene in their bodies and their lives to bring the healing that they need. Touch them, Lord. Show your power in a great and mighty way. And Lord, may we testify of your great and mighty work. Thank you so much, Lord, for the answers to prayers of individuals that we're able to take off of the list because you have answered the prayers that we've been uplifting uh, for them. But Lord, I pray that you will continue to be with those who are still on this list, many with all, these, with all the physical needs that are there. But Lord, there are a lot of spiritual needs also, and we pray that that's the most important thing. Uh, Lord, that if there are any of these people that are on this list that we're praying for, who don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, I pray that you'll use these circumstances and trials that they're 
going through to focus them towards you, that there would be no other way for them to look but to look to Jesus to be their Savior. Father, I pray that we as believers would declare the gospel to those that we know that are in our circles of influence, that we would pray for others. And Father, there may be people around us in our community, in our neighborhood, in our families who don't know Jesus, especially our children. Father, I pray that we will uplift and bathe our children in prayer uh, each and every day. And we pray that for our Awana kids tonight, for the, the youth who are meeting in this building. Uh, Lord, we just pray that your holy hand will be upon each and every one of them, Lord, that you will uh, bring more of those children uh, to faith in Christ, more of those youth to faith in Christ, and raise up a mighty strong army of young people who are sold out to you totally, completely, a new generation, Lord, that you would send revival through. And Father, we thank you for the revivals we're hearing about that are breaking out across our nation and in colleges across our nation, even in other countries uh, where revival is breaking out in, in Africa. And Father, I just pray that uh, you will just pour out your spirit upon our world and that you would make yourself known and that we would make the fame and the name of Jesus known more and more each day. So Father, help us as we go through this book tonight and begin this study through the book of Joel. I pray, Lord, that it'll be alive and powerful to us, relevant to where we are in our walk with you. And Father, I just pray that you will be glorified and honored through the passages we're gonna look at tonight. Speak to us, Lord. We just come before you asking you to speak to us, to change us, to transform us by the power of your word. And Lord, I pray that as you change us, as you renew us in our hearts and our minds, Lord, help us as we go forth to be the witnesses that we need to be in a lost and a dying world. So may your blessings be upon each person on this prayer list. Be with those, Lord, who have lost loved ones. Comfort their hearts. Encourage them. Those who are going through the valley of the shadow of death even now, we just uplift them to you, Lord, and ask for your will to be done in their lives. So bless your word tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Joel. It comes right after the book of Hosea. So if you find Psalms and you find Matthew, open a little bit about halfway and you'll find uh, a little bit more than halfway, you'll find Hosea there and Joel right after. We're going to be looking at this entire chapter, and in fact, that's kind of the way uh, we've broken down the book of Joel is uh, we'll be having uh, one message for each one of the three chapters that are there uh, in the book of Joel. Uh, there's only three chapters, so it's a very small uh, book, but there's yet a lot uh, that are in uh, these verses. Uh, the prophecy of Joel contains, as we said, only three brief chapters, uh, but it holds an important place in Scripture. In fact, when you get over to the New Testament, you're going to see references made back to the book of Joel. Uh, Joel is the first of the writing prophets. Uh, he is Joel who introduces and defines the term the day of the Lord. So this is the, he's the one who, who begins talking about the day of the Lord and defines what that means. Now we don't know a great deal about Joel. A lot of the other prophets, we know a lot about them, where they were from, what kind of uh, job or occupation they had in the past. But with Joel, we don't know a lot about him. We do know that his name means Jehovah is God. We don't know who he is. We don't know where he lived. Uh, we don't know when he lived. Uh, we don't know where he preached. 
Uh, all we have is this brief little book in the Bible, and he suddenly appears on the scene. So if, you're, if you remember when we read the book of Hosea, the very first chapter, the very first verse, uh, Hosea lays out for us what kings he is prophesying under in the northern kingdom and in the southern kingdom. So we kind of have that time frame. When you look at verse 1 uh, of chapter 1 in Joel, it says, The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. So it doesn't tell us anything about what the time frame uh, is here that he's speaking in. But as you read through the prophecy, you begin to put it in its place, and we do begin to see where it falls historically in that respect. And, and so he is delivering God's message, and just as suddenly as he appears, he's suddenly gone. We don't read anything about him after this book, except for the quotes that are given to us in the New Testament from the book of Joel. Now, the headline of Joel's day, if you were to read the newspapers or you were to see the news on TV, if they had TV back in those days, it would have said, locusts are coming, economic devastation is near. That's what the headlines would have been. And it was just that kind of illustration. You know, sometimes as a pastor, you, you preach and, and you lay out an illustration to grab people's attention to, to bring it to where the text is. And that's what Joel is doing here. Uh, he uses this illustration to declare a message to the people of God and to call the people of God back to him. Times of national disaster can be a great time of, of heart searching. As we even talked about in the book of Hosea, uh, when 9-11 when happened, there were a lot of people who were soul searching uh, after that. After the economic recession in 2008-2009, there were more people who were searching for the Lord. Uh, there is a searching for the Lord in times of national disaster. Hosea. When he brought out, uh, brought his message, he brought it out of a personal tragedy uh, with Gomer, his wife, and used that, God used that as the platform for his message. Uh, but here in this passage, Joel's message evidently comes out of a national disaster. So it's not a personal disaster like Hosea's, but a national disaster. There's an invasion of locusts that's on the way. It wasn't long until the sky becomes black. Millions and millions of locusts uh, were over the land. Uh, they covered the farm. They, they covered the fields. They covered the forest. There was locusts everywhere. I mean, could you just imagine that? There's so many locusts that you might even have them crawling on your clothes. I mean, you don't want the bugs crawling all over you. But that's how many there were. I mean, it was no escaping it. There were so many. Uh, and, and so as, as this was happening here, and as the fields and the farms and the forests were, were covered, there was locusts everywhere, it's a national <coughs> economic disaster. And so Joel uses that uh, to speak a message uh, to the people of God, uh, to get their attention, to refer to something that they're all concerned about. Now, the people didn't realize it, but they were watching the day of the Lord unfold before their very eyes. And the prophet Joel explains it to them. Joel wanted the people of Judah, of Judah, which is the southern kingdom, to understand what God was saying to them through the plague and through the drought. Now, if you remember, Hosea was speaking to the northern kingdom. And so in our own times, uh, we see that there are natural disasters around the world. Uh, we see the earthquakes that happened in Turkey and Syria and the devastation there. We see severe droughts and famines that happen, uh, terrifying epidemics 
those unexpected earthquakes, devastating floods, uh, and other natural disasters, all of which greatly affect not only the national but the global economy. And yet very few people in those situations ask, what is God saying to us? Through all of those natural disasters, what is God saying to us? So Joel writes his book so people would know what God was saying through these critical events. So when Joel talks about the day of the Lord, we're going to understand that he's applying it uh, to three events. He's applying it first to the, to the imminent event that's happening right now in his passage, the plague of the locusts that's coming. We also see, as we'll get further into the chapters, that he's going to apply the day of the Lord not only to the current event, but something yet that is about to come later with the Assyrians who are going to invade the nation of Judah. So that's the second aspect he's going to apply the day of the Lord to. And then thirdly, we're going to see that he applies the day of the Lord to something out in the future that still hasn't happened yet today that's out there in the future when Jesus comes again. In chapter 1 here, it's about the immediate day of the Lord. Uh, later, it's going to be about that distant judgment uh, that the Lord is going to send on the whole world. When you're in a crisis... Uh, you, you'll hear all kinds of voices interpreting uh, what's going on and telling you what to do. The optimist will say, this crisis is, isn't going to last. Just be brave. It'll be over before you know it. Uh, the, the, the pessimist is going to say, it's getting worse. There, there's no escape. We're done for. There's no hope for us. The alarmist will see the enemy behind every tree, and the scoffers will question the news reports and shrug their shoulders and say, what, what difference does it make anyway? Well, Joel, he is a realist who looks at life from the standpoint of the word of the Lord, and he addresses himself to five groups of people that we're going to see, and he gives them four warnings from the Lord. So the first warning that he gives is hear this, hear this. We see that in verse 2 down through verse 4. Here he's speaking to the old men first, and we'll see the reasons why. But verse 2 down through verse 4 says, Hear this, you elders, give ear all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. So notice first here, he, he says, hear this, you elders. He's talking here to those who, who had lots of experience, lots of water under the bridge. They've lived life. They've seen lots of things. There's a lot of wisdom in those who are older than us. I'd always encourage you, especially as young people, to listen to older people and the things they've gone through so that you don't make the same mistakes that they did. And you can learn a lot of things from them. A lot of times younger people want to dismiss those who are older and say, Ah, oh, you don't know what it's like for me. Well, you don't know what it was like for them. 
and what they all went through. And there's a lot of things that if we listen to them, we could, we could glean a lot of wisdom to help us to keep from making some of the same mistakes they made uh, so that we can live a more faithful life with the Lord. So these are people who had a lot more experience. Not only that, because of their experience, they could authenticate what Joel was saying. Because notice what Joel is saying here. They're respected citizens in the land. With their support, Joel wasn't just some voice out there crying in the wilderness and, and somebody say, oh, Joel, he's crazy. He don't know what he's talking about. Don't listen to Joel. They agreed with Joel that the nation was facing a catastrophe of monumental proportions like they had never seen before. It was something people would tell to their children and to their grandchildren for years to come. And so he calls the older people who have been around a long time and he says, have you ever seen anything like this in your life before? He says, I want, I want you to be sure and pass this down to your children and to your grandchildren and to the future generations because what you're seeing, you can agree with me, nothing like this has ever happened before in the nation of Israel. Now, had locusts ever come before? Sure, but not like this. This was an astronomical proportions uh, of locusts who were coming. And so, you know, sometimes the older you get, uh, the greater your past becomes. Sometimes there's a tendency to, to make things of the old days seem, those are the good old days and how good things were. You know, when you really start to sit down and start thinking about that, and you think about, man, I wish it was like the good old days. You sure you want that without air conditioning? Without lights in the house and having to operate by a kerosene lantern? We sure we want the good old days. You know, sometimes we, we romanticize the good old days. We, we make the good old days to be bigger and better than they were. Uh, sometimes there's that tendency, you know, even, even in church life. You, you can have a revival meeting today, and, and invariably somebody's going to say, that was pretty good, but I remember back in the day, we used to be packed in the sanctuary. Well, if we had a picture from back then, maybe we could compare to see for sure if that was true or not. There may be some cases uh, that that was. But sometimes we think things get bigger the older we get. Well, Joel goes on to say, you can pass this on down. Tell your children about this and have them tell their children because there's not going to be a plague of locusts like this ever again. This is gonna be the biggest thing you've ever seen and that anybody in the future is ever going to see. If you think about that, and you think about those words he's saying there, it ought to remind you of another scripture in the Olivet Discourse when Jesus is on the Mount of Olives in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 when he's speaking about the end times and what's going to happen in the last days. The Lord, he's identified the period himself that he himself has labeled as the Great Tribulation period. And he said the same thing about the Great Tribulation. He said that there has never been anything like the Great Tribulation before, and there never will be anything like it in, in history again. Uh, there's not going to be anything like it afterwards. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21, he says, For then there will be great tribulation. Now, obviously, there's been tribulation. And there's been some times that we might think, Man, that was a great tribulation that I went through. But Jesus says, there's going to be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. 
So now, more, now that more and more or less puts parentheses around the period uh, and, and slips it into a unique slot in history, during the Great Tribulation, no one's going to be able to say, well, that reminds me when I was a young fella and the Great Tribulation we went through. Uh, you know, there's always going to be periods of recorded history in the past uh, that could match what's happening now, but the Lord makes it very clear concerning the Great Tribulation uh, that that's going to be greater than any tribulation you've seen. That's what the kind of emphasis Joel is putting on this locust invasion that's about to happen. This is going to be bigger than any invasion of locusts that's ever happened before or, or since or will be even after. And, and so he's saying, here's this locust plague that's coming, and, and he's calling these old men uh, to state the fact, to point out the fact that there's never been anything like this in the past. Now, Joel uses four different words to describe the plague uh, in verse 4. Uh, and as you read those words, uh, he, it's, it, they represent the four stages uh, in the life cycle of locusts. It could be the successive swarms of locusts invading the land. Uh, it could be the different stages here. But a swarm of locusts here that could devastate the vegetation uh, of a countryside with a remarkable uh, quickness and thoroughness, and nothing can stop them. It's true here that four different words are used. Let's look at these four words uh, in verse 4. So he says, what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. So there's the cutting locust, there's the swarming locust. He says, what the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust has left, the destroying locusts will eat. Some other versions use these words. They use the words palmer worm and locust and canker worm and the caterpillar. Uh, there are those who believe that this refers to those four different types of, uh, and stages of this, of the, of this insect. Uh, and, and so the palmer worm means to gnaw off. Uh, the word locust in Hebrew is the word arbet, uh, and it suggests that there's many of them, that they are migratory. They move as a great swarm. Uh, then there's the canker worm. That means to, to lick off. The caterpillar means to devour or to consume. Uh, and, and so those four words describe the locust and, and what he does. The locust moves in bands like an army. So whether it's the four stages of a, of a locust or whether it's successive stages, there's four different distinct parts that happen here. And it's like waves, if you will, uh, of an army of locusts who are coming in. It's like the locusts move in bands. First of all, there's kind of like the planes that come over, drop the bombs after the bombs have been dropped. Uh, then by, by the air corps, then the artillery comes through and destroys every section, leaving great areas devastated, but a great deal remains. The infantry comes along. Uh, that's the third group, and they get what's been left over, and then there's the mop-up crew that follows after that, and they'll get what little may still be there. What you have there are four words that describe the damage and the devastation that's going to happen. Now, you can read other places in the Bible about locusts, that they have no general, they have no king, they have no lieutenants, no sergeants, but they move just like an army. Locusts were often sent by God as a judgment. 
But we would put this plague here in the category of a natural plague. It's not necessarily a judgment, but a warning to the people, a warning to the nation. So here's Joel, who's the first writing prophet. He prophesies at the same time as Elijah. Now, why do we say he's a writing prophet? Because Hosea spoke before the people. Joel, we don't read anything about that. He just wrote what the Lord had to say to him. We don't read the accounts of him speaking before the people like we do of Hosea or like we do of Jonah or some of the other minor prophets. Uh, he writes what God has for him to say. And so he prophesied about the same time as Elijah. As Elijah was warning the northern kingdom, the man Joel, it was in a more dramatic ma manner, was warning the southern kingdom of a judgment that was coming. And so he's going to be moving from the local judgment to the judgment that's coming at the day of the Lord in the final last days. So that's the first thing that he tells us here uh, is that we need to uh, hear this. Make sure you hear this warning uh, of what's coming. Then the second message is wake up and weep. We see that in verse 5 down through verse 7. So he says in verse 5, Awake you drunkards and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. So one of the things we see here, uh, he mentions drunkenness here. Uh, in fact, uh, in, except for pointing out the insincerity of some of the worshipers in chapter 2, drunkenness is the only sin that Joel actually names in this whole book. So uh, this was a serious sin that the prophets often condemn. Maybe these drunkards are representative of those careless people in the land who their only interest was self-pleasure, sinful pleasure. And the locusts have gotten to the grapes first. So think about that in their agrarian economy there, in their agricultural economy there. If you get rid of the grapes, if you get rid of the wheat that's out in the field, what have you got left? Not a whole lot. That's going to devastate a nation who that's what they're dependent on. I mean, you don't have filtrated water uh, like we have today uh, that's been purified for us to be able to drink. They had water many times that, that wasn't healthy to drink. Still many places in those places uh, in the world don't have healthy water to drink. And so many times they would drink the fruit of the vine. They would drink the juice of the grapes. And, and so what he's saying here is the locusts, they ate up all the grapes. And so guess what? You don't got no booze no more. <laughs> you don't got no wine no more. And, and so he says, sober up, you drunks. Uh, your, your drink has been cut off. These people had good reason to weep because there's no wine. And there wouldn't be any more till the next season if there even was a next season. So because of the locusts and the drought that's happened, if you go down to verse 10, uh, in Joel chapter 1 here, verse 10 uh, goes on to say that the fields are destroyed, the ground mourns because the grain is destroyed, the wine dries up, and uh, the, the, the oil languishes, the oil, like the, the, the olive oil, 
Uh, be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Well, O vine dresser, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. So keep in mind, bread and wine, those were staples in the Jewish diet. So that even the people who weren't those who were drinkers, who were drunkards, they were also being affected by this loss. Now, Joel compares this invading, uh, this locust invasion uh, of his nation to, to hungry lions with sharp teeth. You see that in verse 6. They attack the vines and the fig trees, those two essential things to Jewish life. Uh, the locust actually can, can kill a fig tree. They, absolute, they, they absolutely stripped a fig tree of its bark. They left nothing but the naked wood left there. Now, if you had your own vineyard and you had your own fig trees, uh, that was a symbol of success and contentment. But now all that's gone. And, and notice how Joel uses the personal pronoun uh, in, those, in those verses, the, the words uh, my there in, he, he, as, as he speaks of the land and its vegetation because all of it belonged to the Lord and he had a right to do with it whatever he pleased to do. And so the Lord is telling them here, hear this, wake up and weep, and then thirdly, despair and well. You can see how things are getting worse and worse with each point that we go through. So verse 8 down through verse 12, uh, he says, Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth uh, for the bridegroom of her youth. We'll come back and talk about what that means in a moment. Uh, we read some of this a while ago, the grain offering, or read about this, that the grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed. The ground mourns because the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up and the oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Well, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up. The fig tree languishes. Pomegranate, palm, and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up and gladness dries up from the children of man. So you notice what he says there in uh, verse 8 uh, where he's talking about the virgin here uh, wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom uh, of her youth. So he, he's speaking in, the, in this passage the, the, the despair and wail primarily to the farmers and he's saying uh, that like a newlywed uh, that has a devastating thing happen, she mourns at a time when you should be happy. He said that's what's going to happen to you. Now, Joel names some of the crops that are ruined here. He says there's the grain, the wheat, and the barley. There's the new wine. There's the oil. There's the fruit from the pomegranate, the palm, the apple trees. You know, from season to season, locusts ate whatever was produced, and the drought kept the soil from producing anything more. When you go over to verse 18 uh, through verse 20, uh, you'll notice that uh, Joel goes on to mention even more uh, that happens. So in verse 18, uh, in the agricultural uh, things that are going on here, verse 18 he says, How the beasts groan, the herds of cattle are perplexed because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. So not only is uh, the, the things that are growing suffering on the farm, the animals are suffering uh, on the farm. 
Uh, in verse 19, he says, To you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you because the water brooks are dried up and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. And so when he's talking there, all that the farmers he's saying could do is that they, all they could do was express their grief and grieve like an engaged girl whose fiance has died. It's a hopeless situation. That's why he says, despair and wail. Because there is no hope, it is coming. But then he gives the word of hope. Always, as we saw in Hosea, when God gives the word of judgment, there is always the word of hope. So here's the word of hope, the word of warning. Call a fast. Call a fast. So what does he mean by that? Well, let's look at verse 13 through verse 20 here again. He says, put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Well, O ministers of the altar, Go in past the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God, because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. So get the picture. They don't have the grain of the field to eat, so they can't make bread. They don't have the fruit of the vine to be able to drink. They don't have animals because animals are suffering. The livestock is suffering. And, and they're dying, and, and so there's no, uh, no meat for them to eat. Even the sheep are, are having this happen. So not only does it affect people physically of uh, being able to eat, notice it's also reflecting, it's, it's, it's affecting the worship. Because notice there, he says that the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of God. So if there is no grain and there is no grapes, there is no grain offering or no grape offering. No vine offering, no drink offering to bring in the time of worship. And so this message, call a fast, is a word to the priests. So not only were the people in need, but so was the temple. It had reached even the house of God. He's talking about an invasion of locusts that took place evidently in his day. Nobody could bring the proper sacrifices because there wasn't any meal, there wasn't any wine, there wasn't any animals that were available. And so the priests, they couldn't perform their functions because there was nothing for them to use. So Joel calls the priest and he says to the priest, here's what I want you to do. Here's the hope that I'm going to give to you. I'm calling on you to weep and to pray. And that included uh, those who worked the night shift as, as priests. The economy of the land was wrecked. There wasn't enough even to make an offering to God, but God makes it clear that it wasn't the ritual that was important. It was the hearts of the people. The Jews were required to observe only one fast, and that was on the annual day of atonement. You can read about that in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29 through verse 31. And so notice what he says in verse 14. He says, consecrate or call a fast, set apart a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land of the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes. Is not the food cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness 
from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clods, the, the, the storehouses are desolate, the granaries are tore down because the grain has dried up. And then he says, the verses we read a while ago, how the beasts groan, the herds of the cattle are perplexed because there is no pasture for them, even the flocks of sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I call for the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, the flame has burned all the trees of the field, even the beasts of the field pant because, for you because the, the water brooks are dried up. And then notice this last phrase. And fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. It's all gone. The joy, even, as you see there in verse 16, is not the food cut off before our eyes. Joy and gladness from the house of God. So he's asking the people here. He's saying to the religious leaders, here's what I want you to do. Call for a fast. Consecrate a fast. Now, the, the, the religious leaders, they could call a fast uh, whenever the people faced an emergency and, and needed to humble themselves to seek God's face. And this was such an emergency. Gird yourself, put on sackcloth. It was time for the people to humble themselves and pray, as Second Chronicles 7.14 says. So in these verses, God is, is telling the people to do something he, has he hasn't asked them to do before. Because when God gave the Mosaic law, he gave, he, he gave seven feast days to these people. And he made it clear that he didn't want them to come before him with a long face. He wanted them to come to his house rejoicing and with joy in their hearts. When we come to the house of the Lord, there ought to be rejoicing and joy in our hearts. But all too often, even today, when Christians meet together, there's no joy or very little joy, and there was no joy in Joel's day. Why is God for the first time telling his people, I want you to lament, I want you in sackcloth and ashes, I want you to mourn? Before he had told them, I want you to come before me in joy. The reason is because of the sin of the nation. And that's the same reason that so often there's very little or a lack of joy in our own hearts, in our own lives today. Where is our joy today? It's gone because of sin. So God won't let us have joy. He says to these people, come before me now with your mourning. I don't like it, but you're sinful, and I want to see your repentance. It wasn't enough for the people to humble themselves and to lament, they also had to pray. And this is what God had required in his covenant with his people. Joel didn't ask God for anything. He simply told the Lord of the suffering of the land, the beasts, the people, knowing what God would do was what was right. And there in verse 20, you see the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. It refers to drought which left the land looking like it had been burned. So after all that with the locusts, that they had eaten wave after wave after wave of the plants down to nothing, it's like the fire had, had, had scorched the land, had burned the land. Too often we drift along from day to day, taking our blessings for granted until God let some disaster happen in our lives to remind us we need to be depending on him. Think about it, when water's rationed, 
food is scarce, when prices for necessities begin to escalate, we begin to discover the poverty of our artificial civilization that we built here in our throwaway society. And, and suddenly necessities become luxuries. You don't believe that? Think about the price of eggs. <laughs> it's like the cost of a luxury now. And, and so luxuries become burdens. God didn't have to send great armies to Judah and bring them to their knees. All he needed was a swarm of little insects. And they did the job. Sometimes he uses things like a bacteria. Sometimes he uses things like a virus. So tiny that you need a special microscope to see it. But he is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies of heaven and earth. He is the Almighty, as verse 15 tells us, he is the Lord, the Almighty. Uh, none can stay his powerful hand. But I want you to finish here with me back in verse 14 again. It's probably the most significant verse in this chapter. Because remember what he says here, consecrate a fast. God had never asked them to do that before. God had given them feast days. He had never given them a fast day until they plunged into sin. And the one sin we saw that he mentioned was, was drunkenness. They, it was robbing the people of their normal thinking. They weren't able to make right judgments. And so he calls them to a time of fast. When you fast, it causes you to depend upon the Lord more than ever before. Then he said also in that verse, call a solemn assembly. In other words, they were to come together. God had wanted them to come together and rejoice in his presence, but they weren't doing that. So now they had to come in a solemn assembly. Then he says, gather the elders, all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God. It was time to go to church. And it's time to go to church today. You think about all the devastation and things that happened in years past. During World War II, there were two rather godless men who were good friends. They belonged to all kind of different clubs, to drinking clubs, most of them. But they met one Sunday at church, and one of them said, well, I didn't know you went to church. And the other one said, I don't usually go to church. This is my first time, but I've got a son over there fighting in this war, and I thought it was about time I got to church. A lot of times when devastation comes, people begin to think, maybe it's about time I got to church. Understand this truth, that times of great trouble drive people to God. The people of the land were to come together for a fast day, and they were to cry out to the Lord. Why? Because God is merciful, and God is gracious, and he wants to forgive. He is a wonderful God. They were to come in this time of difficulty, and he would hear them, and he would answer their prayers. Joel has given a warning to this people, and he's given them these warnings here, and this way out of it, and these are the things that, that they are to do if they want the blessing of God upon them. If we want the blessing of God upon us, there's the steps. Consecrate the fast in your life. Have the solemn assembly together. You see this happening in these colleges across our nation now. Solemn assemblies of, of young people who are gathering together. And you know what they're gathering together to do? Repent and to testify 
and to sing praises to the Lord. And that's happening in other countries, in Uganda, in, in Africa. Thousands who are getting saved in Uganda right now because revival is breaking out there also. We're to consecrate a fast, call an assembly, gather the elders, all the inhabitants of the land, and cry out to the Lord like never before. Would you do that? Would you take the challenge from Joel? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness toward us. But Lord, you could have brought judgment any time that you wanted to, at any moment, at any day. And yet, for whatever reason, you have stayed your hand of judgment on us, upon our churches, upon our nation, upon this world. And so, Father, I pray that we would not squander a time such as this, that maybe it's not the worst of times yet. Maybe we don't have the, the locusts like the nation of Judah had at that point. But before that ever happens, Lord, we ought to realize the truth and learn from the nation of Judah that if they had done these things before, they would not have had to experience the judgment. So I pray, God, that we would come in our hearts fast before you, to have a solemn assembly before you, to call the elders and, and others together to, to worship you and to cry out to you with all of our hearts. But let it begin with us as individuals first. And may you ignite a fire across our nation and throughout our church to bring about your glory, to bring about the, the name and the fame of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'll do a work in us that when we look back on it, we'll be able to say and, and to understand there is nothing like that that's ever happened in our lives before. May it be that blessed thing that we could say that about rather than a judgment. And so, Father, have your hand upon us. Bless us and lead us and guide us each and every moment of every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there online. We're glad that you joined with us. We'll be back Sunday morning, 915 for Sunday school, 1030 for worship. You come and join us in person if you can. If you can't, uh, be there with us online uh, at 1030, and we'll have a blessed service. We're in the life of Jesus, so I encourage you to join with us uh, this coming Sunday. You have a blessed week, and stay safe.